And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Frame. He is Professor Emeritus of Systematic Theology and Philosophy at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. Dr. Frame, it's great to have you back with us today. Good to be with you, Dan, and with your listeners. Some time ago, you were interviewed by a mutual friend of ours. You know him better than I, and that's uh, P. Andrew Sandlin. And um, he asked you a number of questions in an interview. Um, And one of the last questions, as I understand it, was, what advice would you offer to theological students and young theologians as they face a lifetime of theological work? And um, I, I like that question. I particularly liked all the um, – you, you listed like 30 points here <laughs> that you yeah. made. And I'd like to extend that to uh, people not only going into theology, but uh, simply going into preaching and Christian ministry, because we're all uh, affected by theology in one form or another. But um, maybe not wander too far from the original well, maybe you take it from there. Uh, what were some of the answers and advice that you gave to a, a younger person going into a, a life that's dealing with uh, theology and theological thoughts? You want me to go through all 30 points? <laughs> I, would, I would love that, and uh, you can feel free to take a breath and we can interact a little bit, but I, I would love that, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll summarize as best I can. The first one was... Uh, consider that you might not really be called to theological work or ministry. Uh, James 3.1 tells us that not many of us should become teachers. Uh, You know, there are some Christians who think that once they come to know Christ, uh, uh, they are also, uh, uh, they're not really serving Christ unless they get into full-time ministry or something. And the the Bible says no. The Bible says that we're uh, called to different things. We have different gifts, uh, and we should seek to serve Christ wherever we may be, whether we're uh, uh, plumbers or uh, or fishermen or, or carpenters uh, or preachers, but uh, uh, we should always uh, serve Christ wherever we are and serve the body of Christ wherever we are. But not everybody is called to be a theologian, and some people who think that they're called to be theologians really really aren't, and that's why I cited James 3.1. Uh, number two is value your relationship with Christ, your family, and your church above your career ambitions. I think that speaks for itself. Uh, we've always been in, uh, we've always had this problem of people uh, pursuing their own fame and their own fortune and so on, rather than uh, doing the jobs that God has called them to do. Uh, three, remember the fundamental work of theology is to understand the Bible, God's Word, and apply it to the needs of people. That's my definition of theology, uh, applying God's Word to the needs of people. And so, uh, uh, you know, I think that's important because uh, uh Theologians are inclined to be academics. They're inclined to 
think of theology as sort of a an expertise in history or philosophy or culture or something like that. And uh, really, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, when you get down to the nub of the issue, uh, theology is applying the Bible, and we need to keep reminding ourselves of that, not to uh, go off on uh, tangents. I, I do think that these other disciplines can sometimes help us to apply the Bible, but uh, uh, we, we need to remember that uh, our job is to bring the Bible, to bring God's Word to people. And then uh, number four, that means that uh, when we argue a theological position, we need to make a logical case. I, I think that a lot of theology, even professional theology, has a tendency to uh, uh, not argue, just to present a, a, a view and then quote a bunch of people and and uh, use some illustrations and and uh, quote some historical sources and stuff like that, but they never really quite get to proving uh, what they say on the basis of Scripture, and I think that's a weakness in theology. And going along with that, number five, learn to write and speak clearly and cogently, uh, the way the best theologians have been able to take profound ideas and present them in simple language. Uh, then number six, cultivate an intense devotional life and ignore people who criticize this as pietistic. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, theologians are kind of in danger of thinking that they are above the... Uh, uh, the, the practices of the ordinary Christian, that they don't need to pray and read the Bible as much, that they don't need to attend worship as much, uh, because they're sort of above it all, that they, they've achieved some kind of higher level. And, uh, I just don't think that's right. I think that the, uh, the more... You, uh, the more responsibility you get in the church, the more you need the Word, and you need the sacraments, and you need the fellowship of God's people. Uh, number seven, uh, theologian is essentially a preacher. Learn to speak clearly and helpfully and, and movingly, cogently, Eight, be generous with your resources. Uh, uh, be ready to help uh, people who ask for your time and uh, who want articles on this or that. Uh, don't be tight-fisted when it comes to copyrighted materials. Uh, number nine, and criticizing other theologians. Uh, you know, we, we, we tend to, uh, again, there's this problem of making a case. And uh, we tend to take points of view that we don't like and we disparage the people who hold those views without really showing clearly that uh, that criticism is deserved. Uh, I've heard very extreme things being said that so-and-so uh, teaches another gospel. Well, that's Paul's 
uh, expression for people who are under God's curse, you know, and uh, uh, you have to be very careful before you uh, put somebody down using that kind of language. Uh, number 10, when there's a controversy, don't get on one side right away. I think often in, in theological controversies, people uh, uh, just give them a superficial bit of research, and then they say, well, I'm on this side, or I'm on that side, and, and uh, they, they, they treat that like uh, people treat their sports teams, you know. <laughs> if I love the Pittsburgh Pirates, I, I think the Pirates are good all the time, and the Yankees are bad all the time, and the, you know, that happens in theology a lot, too. We don't really, uh, we criticize one another without really thinking about the basis of our criticism, uh, sort of correlative to that, number 11, if you get a bright idea, don't expect everybody to follow along right away. You know, there's some people who get a, an idea, they write an article on it, and then when somebody disagrees, they, they act like they can't imagine why anyone would disagree, and they, they just uh, they expect uh, everybody else to, to bow down and accept what they said. And really, for most of us, it takes a while for us to think things through. Uh, number 12, don't be reflexively critical of everything that comes out of a different tradition. You know, sometimes Baptists have something to teach to Presbyterians, and Presbyterians have things to teach to Methodists, and, and dispensationalists have some things to say to covenant theologians, if we're willing to listen, if we're humble enough to consider what the other person has to say, I just don't think it's likely that uh, God has given all the truth to one particular tradition. I don't think we should be traditionalists. We ought to be governed by uh, Scripture, and that's why I say in number 13, be willing to re-examine your own tradition with a critical eye. And number 14, uh, that includes the confessional documents and the catechisms and so on. Uh, I believe that the confessions and catechisms are very useful things, and uh, I think my own confessions and catechisms are, are just fine for the most part, but uh, they're not perfect. They're not infallible. It's only the Scripture that's infallible, and we have to take that uh, into account. Uh, Fifteen, don't let your polemics be governed by jealousy, as when a theologian feels bound to be entirely negative toward the success of a megachurch. Uh, I think we, uh, you know, we theologians are tempted to uh, uh, worry that uh, when a, another theological group or tradition or movement or church uh, uh, seems successful, there must be something wrong with them, and we, we get into this mode of uh, hypercriticism. Uh, 16, similarly, don't become known as a theologian who constantly takes pot shots at other theologians or other Christians. The enemy is Satan, not the other Christians. 17, guard your sexual instincts. Uh, you know, theologians are no different from anybody else. Uh, uh, they're, uh, theologians are, are tempted to uh, 
get into internet pornography and uh, illicit relationships. And, uh, you know, we were often too proud to admit that but, uh, that can happen to us, but we need to uh, guard our heart, as the Bible says, and keep asking God to uh, to keep us away from uh, things that could uh, uh, could uh, bring us down. Uh, Eighteen, be active in a good church. Again, the theologians need that just as much as anybody. Uh, Nineteen, get your basic. When you're thinking about getting trained as a theologian, uh, don't aim at studying at a seminary that will give you prestige. Uh, get your basic training at a seminary that teaches you the Bible as the Word of God. That's the fundamental thing. You need to become an expert in the Bible. And after that, if you want to go off and study the history of doctrine or you want to go and study the, all the errors that have happened, uh, or if you even want to uh, get first-hand exposure of non-biblical thought, go ahead and do it, but uh, get your basic training at a seminary that teaches the Bible. Um, Twenty, come to appreciate the wisdom, even the theological wisdom of relatively uneducated Christians. Sometimes their work, their relationship to God is is uh, better than yours, and uh, you need to be able to learn from them just as you learn from other denominations and so on. Uh, 21, don't be one of those theologians who gets excited about every new trend in politics, culture, hermeneutics, uh, or and there are trends in theology, too. And some, some theologians, I think, every time there's some new trend, they think that, well, we have to go back to the beginning and develop a theology of this or a theology of that. We need to develop a theology of, uh, of culture. We need to develop a theology of, of uh, sexuality. We need to develop a theology of this and that. Sometimes we do, but, uh, uh, you know, sometimes that kind of emphasis uh, leads us astray and leads us away from other things that need to be talked about. 22, be suspicious of all trendiness in theology. Uh, theology is like everything else. It moves from one trend to another. So I mentioned here narrative, feminism, redemptive history, natural law, liturgy, liberation, postmodernism, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, you know, be critical of all that kind of thing. The, the Bible has basic things to say, and every theologian must be focused on those basic things, and uh, must uh, and, and we shouldn't jump on bandwagons unless we've really done some thinking on our own. Uh, 23, our system of doctoral level education requires original thought uh, when you're doing your dissertation, but uh, uh, how much original thought is possible uh, when uh, the church has been studying scripture for thousands of years? There isn't too much that we can think about that hasn't been thought about already, and we need to be humble enough to recognize that uh, and uh, you know, in order to get your 
PhD, I might have to come up with some new hypothesis about the history of thought or something like that. But what I say here is, uh, you know, after you've gotten through that, after you've gotten your credentials and get back to basics and go back to telling people what they need to hear, which usually does not include your new ideas. At the same time, number 24, don't reject innovation just because it's innovative. Uh, you know, whether it's new or old really uh, doesn't matter all that much. What matters is what the Bible says. Uh, 25, uh, be careful of arguments that turn on metaphors or extra-biblical technical terms. Uh, you've got to translate those things uh, some, sometimes somebody will come up with a big illustration that sounds very good, and uh, uh, he'll build his whole theology around it. And uh, You need to go back and say, well, now, what does the Bible actually say here? Uh, 26, learn to be skeptical of the skeptics. Uh, unbelieving and liberal scholars are just as prone to error as anybody. So that's a special note to apologists. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, learn, learn to uh, uh, be skeptical of uh, uh, people who claim expertise. Number 27, respect your elders, First Timothy 5.1. We need to uh, uh, respect people who have been working in the theological field for decades. You can disagree, but disagree respectfully. 28, uh, don't think you're going to be a, a a reformer necessarily. You know, young theologians sometimes think they're going to be the next Luther, uh, and they're going to reform the whole theological discipline by some rediscovering some great ideas. Well, maybe that maybe that you can be. I mean, God has raised up reformers like Luther and Calvin and so on over the years, but. Uh, uh, you know, it's kind of arrogant to start off thinking that you're going to do that and uh, uh, you need to wait and uh, just do your best with the Bible and that if, you're, if it turns out that you're a reformer, let other people tell you that. Uh, 29, uh, decide early in your career what you're going to do and what you're going to not do. You know, the, the negative side is often very important uh, when you're trying trying to, you know, theologians have so many responsibilities and they get so many invitations to do this and that and the other thing, and they've got to learn to say no. <laughs> and then 30, don't lose your sense of humor. Uh, we should take God seriously, not ourselves, and certainly not theology. And uh, if you lose your sense of humor, you lose your sense of proportion. And nothing is more important in theology than a sense of proportion, understanding how important something is and how little importance it has. And uh, it's helpful to look at yourself sometimes and say, look, you know, I'm I'm just a very small wave of the sea. I'm just one one of uh, millions of God's servants uh, uh, trying to help people understand the Bible. And, uh, uh, I, I don't need to uh, uh, think that I'm all, all that serious uh, uh, a force in the kingdom. 
So, are you still there, Dan? <laughs> yes, we're still here. Today we're talking with Dr. John Frame, and um, that's been a long list, but it's very insightful. I just love this list, Dr. Frame. Um, it was uh, put in place. Thank uh, you. Yeah, it was put in place originally. I guess you had an interview with uh, P. Andrew Sandlin, and he had asked the question, what advice would you offer to theological students and young theologians as they face a lifetime of theological work? And I, when I looked at this list, I thought, wow, it's, it has a lot of good advice, even for someone, maybe they're not going to be a theologian, maybe they're going to go into some kind of other work. And um, I loved your first point that you made that um, you really got to think, am I really called to this particular line of work? Maybe my gifting is in another place, in other words. <laughs> I thought that was very yeah. helpful. Um, I also appreciate, well, I appreciate everyone, but um, this thing of respecting our elders, and even when we have an elder who um, maybe he's a pastor or whatever, or, or a fellow elder, much older, who maybe doesn't see things quite the way you do, um, the fact that we respect him uh, means that we honor him, and even if we disagree, we have to disagree in a, in a loving way and not in a way that doesn't mock um, our, our, our senior. Yeah, that's very, that's right. I, I think one of the problems with young people, and I think I, I was more like this when I was younger, uh, is to look back at the older folks uh, and to think, well, I can do better than that, you know. Uh, they, they have these ideas, but uh, uh, but uh, we, we need to uh, uh, respect the new movements that are going on, and they don't know. Uh, what way culture is headed than I do. So you you can get these kind of arrogant ideas popping up in your head. And I I think that's the devil usually that that is uh, suggesting those kinds of things to us. And uh, uh, we need to remember that, uh, uh, you know, God has been teaching the church for 2,000 years. and, And these people that God has raised up from Augustine to to Luther, to Calvin, to Jonathan Edwards, and so on, they still have a lot to teach us. And and because God has raised them up, they have the authority to teach us. They didn't lose their authority when they died. So we need to pay attention to what they have to say and to respect what they have to say. And then if we can build on that, that's that's so much the better. Yeah. I like the idea of... um keeping uh, very simple, if I, if I can say it that way, uh, the applicability of God's Word. You, you mentioned this, uh, um, understanding the Bible, which is God's Word, and applying it to the needs of people. That seems like a very pastoral approach. Well, that's right. Uh, as I say, I think that a, a theologian is uh, very much a preacher. He has a pastoral concerns and uh, I think when you're uh, when you have a teaching position and you're trying to think about well what shall I write about what shall I teach about uh, uh, you need to look around you and look at the church and look where people's needs are and to some extent your teaching ought to be 
governed by the needs of people. Now, I don't, I don't say the needs of people in opposition to the Word of God, but uh, the way I bring these together again is to say it's a, a matter of application. It's a matter of taking the Word of God and applying it to the needs of people. And in order to do that, uh, you need to know the Word of God, but you also need to know the needs of the people, both uh, individually and uh, as a church, as a corporate body. Yes, and um, in the last minute remaining, um, there's so many good points here, but I just want to focus in on this one. You said, uh, cultivate an intense devotional life and and pray without ceasing. Read the Bible. It's not just an academic text and and worship with God's people and and give attention to spiritual formation. Um, We have the Lord's Day coming up, and... uh, I imagine you're looking forward to worship with God's people. And any, uh, in the last minute, any encouragement for us as we go forward tomorrow, Sunday, the Lord's Day? Yeah, I will be uh, leading communion this Sunday, and that's always a great uh, experience. I I always think, you know, the Word of God, uh, when you're a theologian, you tend to think of the Word of God as just another academic text. But uh, the Bible says the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, uh, piercing to divide up the soul of the spirit and the joints of the marrow, and it, uh, and it dis- discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. Uh, you know, when you read the Bible, don't read it as an academic uh, text. Uh, read it as something that's going to change your life. It'll change your life for the better, but if you neglect it, if you despise it, it it can change your life uh, for the worse. Because, uh, like uh, Isaiah says, uh, uh, it can uh, uh, strengthen you, but it can also bring uh, judgment upon you if you don't uh, respect it in the right way. Amen to that. Well, thank you very much. Today we've been talking with Dr. John Frame. He's Professor Emeritus of Systematic Theology and Philosophy at RTS Orlando. He's written any number of fine books, and they're rather large, thick books, but you'll learn a lot if you get one of them and start studying it. And uh, Dr. John Frame, thank you so much for joining us today. Good. I've, I've published a couple short books in the last year. I've learned <laughs> how to do that. <laughs> but it's good to be with you, Dan. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.